Scaling Up Nation, welcome to Hump Day. Welcome to Cooling Wednesday of this Industrial Water Week that we are celebrating in 2020. My name is Trace Blackmore. I get the privilege of hosting the Water Treaters' favorite podcast, Scaling Up H2O. And as I mentioned, we are right smack dab in the middle of Industrial Water Week. Today is all about cooling. And folks, I have to tell you, thank you so much for sharing your post, your pictures on social media by hashtagging IWW20. I've gotten so many comments that people have enjoyed seeing what other people are doing. So if you've done that, continue to do that. If you haven't done that, you still have plenty of time to do that. When you're in front of your favorite cooling tower this afternoon, take a picture Hashtag it IWW20, and we can all celebrate Cooling Wednesday together. Of course, I gave you a cake recipe on Monday, the water cake. I told you a little bit about the history of the water cake. The largest ingredient in the water cake is water, hence where it got its name, but it's got such a great history as well. And I thought that we would all enjoy trying to make this water cake, which I'm sure you have all the ingredients for, at your home, and then hashtag a picture of you enjoying this water cake. And folks, I hope you are using this week as an opportunity to learn something new about every aspect of water treatment. It doesn't have to be a huge thing, but if it's just a small thing, if it's just one thing, that's a movement in the right direction. Folks, if you're an industrial water treater, use the best job in the world to make sure that you are always learning something new, but don't stop there. The way that you know something better is to teach it to someone else. So I want you to pick a topic that you want to learn more about, maybe it's cooling towers, and then teach that to somebody. Maybe you're teaching it to a customer. Maybe you're teaching that to your fellow team members. Maybe you're teaching that to your spouse. Whoever it is, when you teach somebody what you just learned, you are solidifying that knowledge so you know it even better. Now to help with that, each and every day this week, we have been playing Industrial Water Treatment Jeopardy. So here is our Wednesday installment of Industrial Water Treatment Jeopardy. This measurement will raise one pound of water one degree Fahrenheit in one hour. What is the British Thermal Unit, or BTU? The metric equivalent of that is the calorie. The difference between the entering hot water and leaving cold water in a cooling tower is called this. What is the cooling tower range? A chiller ton is how many BTUs? What is 12,000 BTUs? A chiller ton is 12,000 BTUs, where a tower ton is 15,000 BTUs. They add an extra 3,000 BTUs for the parasitic heat that the chiller makes. Water droplets that are lost to the exhaust air are called this. What is drift? And our last question for Wednesday's Water Treatment Jeopardy, in terms of the heat transfer coefficient, the term U 
is defined by this. What is heat change across the heat exchanger in BTUs per hour? Well, Nation, I hope that got you thinking a little bit more about the science behind how cooling works. And I hope that inspires you to do something about learning more about cooling. Well, something that I think inspires me to learn more is another installment of James McDonald's character, Detective H2O. Welcome to Detective H2O, the case of misdiagnosis. The birds chirped cheerily as the sun shone brightly through the streaked office windows of Herbert Henry Oxidane, PICWT. Detective H2O squinted out the window uncomfortably. I don't like it. Everything is so bright, it's hard to see what's going on out there. I'll take a good drizzle any day of the week. The first clap of thunder and the black mid-20th century phone both announced themselves at the same time. On the third ring, the water detective answered the phone. Detective H2O here, the best water treater this side of the Ohio, solving water problems drop by drop. What you got? Mr. Oxidane, this is Misty from Widgets BS. You might not remember me, but we met a year ago when you inspected our water tube boilers. Detective H2O remembered Misty all right. He couldn't forget the sweet smell of lemon verbena perfume. He had worked shoulder to shoulder with her as they climbed through three water tube boilers during the summer plant shutdown. Uh, yes, I remember you. Inspection, water tube boilers. You passed. I mean, your boilers passed with flying colors. Yes, that was us. We need you again, but this time for our cooling towers. We're having problems with our microbiological control feed program. Something is not up to snuff about it, but we don't know what. Can you fit us into your busy schedule, Mr. Oxidane? Let me check my calendar, said Detective H2O as he ran his finger down the empty page. Uh, oh, yes. I happen to have an opening this morning. I'll be there within the hour. Will that work? Of course, Mr. Oxidane. I look forward to seeing you in an hour. Detective H2O cracked a crooked smile as the rain started during his drive to Widget's BS in his old Ford. He was looking forward to this visit. Making his way beyond the guard shack, he headed straight to the powerhouse. Misty Downs was just inside the door, silhouetted by a burst of steam from a recent boiler blowdown to the drain. Arms on her hips as she walked towards him, she exclaimed, Mr. Oxidane, I'm so happy you're here. Follow me. Putting up no resistance, the water detective gladly obeyed. When they reached the water testing station, Misty said, Look at this, Mr. Oxidane. The free chlorine levels have taken a dive, right out of the blue. All of a sudden, for the last three shifts, we don't know what's going on. We've turned up the bleach pumps, but no luck. Now, I'm smart enough to know there are two sides to the oxidation coin. One side is demand. The other side is residual. You can't have a free chlorine residual until you've met demand. We've been racking our brains, see? Is there process contamination? Perhaps oil leaking into the system causing an increased demand. 
I guess on the flip side, are those little microbiological critters multiplying at such a rate that we just can't keep up with demand? We just don't know, Mr. Oxidane. We just don't know. The water detective scratched his chin as he thought. Let's take this one step at a time, Misty. What you say is correct, but let's start from the beginning. Can you give me a sample of the cooling tower water? We need to run some tests. Sure, replied Misty. A moment later, she was back with sample in hand. Detective H2O started his barrage of testing, beginning with the free chlorine test. It was completely colorless, but his sharp, well-trained eye did catch something immediately. He moved on to the rest of the testing, including total hardness, total alkalinity, conductivity, pH, and tracer. This is interesting. Can you take me to the sodium hypochlorite feed station and cooling tower basin, please? Of course. Have you found something, Mr. Oxidane? Maybe. When they arrived at the sodium hypochlorite feed station, the water detective noted the pulsing of the dosage pump in his tubing. With a flooded section, priming did not appear to be an issue at this point. The pump was pumping to beat the band. Moving on to the cooling tower, he noted a fine white foam covering parts of the sump's water surface. Some of it got caught up and flew out the top fan as he took a peek inside the cooling tower plenum area. Detective H2O then led Misty back to the sodium hypochlorite feed pump, which he swiftly turned off. With her mouth open, Misty asked, Why did you do that? We don't even have a free chlorine residual, and you're turning it off? Don't we need more bleach instead of less? The water detective took a moment to enjoy the perplexed look on Misty's face before revealing his hand, a full house. A little crease formed between her eyes when she was perplexed. You do have a good understanding of the basics of oxidizing biocides, Misty. But I believe you were blinded by the light on this one. Let me show you. The water detective led her back to the water testing station, poured the cooling tower water sample into a sample vial, and said, Now watch what happens when I place a free chlorine test reagent powder into the sample. It's just clear, Mr. Oxidane. That means no free chlorine. No, watch again said Detective H2O as he rinsed and reported the sample. Come closer. Watch the very beginning, right when the reagent first touches the water sample. As Misty and Detective H2O stood cheek to cheek watching the free chlorine test reagent powder pillow drop into the water sample, it happened. Did you see that, Misty? Yes, I did. What does it mean? That flash of pink you saw as the free chlorine test reagent powder hits the water proves there actually is a free chlorine residual in your cooling tower. What? Why? How? Did you notice the other tests I ran before? Did you notice the colors some of them changed? The total alkalinity test, for instance. Yes. I did notice that one test in particular turned different colors than normal. Instead of a green and reddish transition, the colors were blue and yellow. I just figured you were using a test I hadn't seen before. No, Misty. It's the same total alkalinity reagents most every other water treater uses. Did you notice the white foam on top of the cooling tower when we tuck our luck inside the plenum area? Yes. I thought it was from whatever the contamination is. What's going on here, Mr. Oxidane? Regretfully bringing his consulting services to a near close, Detective H2O finally revealed his complete hand. It's quite simple, actually. You're overfeeding your sodium hypochlorite. When this happens, it can bleach out the water analysis tests, giving suspect or erroneous results. 
The free chlorine levels are so high that they are breaching out the free chlorine test almost immediately. But when you watch closely as the test reagent powder hits the water, you can see a flash of pink. That's the reagent doing its job just before it fades from the high sodium hypochlorite levels. Also, the total alkalinity test turned blue and yellow because the sodium hypochlorite overfeed. The tracer test was affected as well, so I suspect you may be overfeeding your inhibitor product too. Lastly, that white foam we saw in the cooling tower water was, once again, from the sodium hypochlorite overfeed. That's why I turned off the oxidizing biocide pump. Seeing her disbelieving look, the water detective took the cooling tower water sample, prepared a dilution, and ran the free chlorine test again. A beautiful pink color bloomed in the sample. See, once we properly dilute the sample, the free chlorine residual is clear as day. Smiling broadly, Misty gave the water detective a big hug. Thank you, Mr. Oxidane. Or should I say Detective H2O? You saved the day. For once, the water detective was speechless as his face turned the rosy pink of a free chlorine test. In the underbelly and penthouses of the metropolis of Waterville, where the boilers percolate and cooling towers fog, there is one man who works tirelessly to end corrosion, stop scale, fight low-life microbes, and conserve water. That man is Detective H2O, best water treater this side of the Ohio, solving water problems drop by drop. James, thanks again for putting that together. Those are very clever. And uh, I think it just shows you that if you want to contribute to the water treatment community, there is just no boundaries in what someone's able to do. You know, there's a funny story that I want to share with all of you out there in the Scaling Up Nation. I honestly can't remember if I have shared this story with you before on an episode, but it is one of my favorite cooling tower stories and I am going to share or possibly reshare it with you. This was back when I just started working with my father. You know, yesterday I told a story about my first week working with my father and this was pretty close on. So I guess that goes to show how impressionable we are as young water treaters. But I remember we had picked up a school system. The school system and where I'm from is in Virginia, and the school system was up towards the mountainous areas of Virginia, and we had picked up 47 schools. It was my job to go with the engineer that was responsible for the water treatment in the schools to each one of the schools and do a survey to see what equipment we would keep, what equipment we would upgrade, and what equipment we would just redo all together and then just get a general knowledge of how we were gonna service each one of those 47 locations. Well, we had probably done a dozen or so schools. Everything was fine. And by the way, this did not happen overnight or on one day. It took me two weeks to get all this data. So I can't remember how many days I was up there working with this gentleman, but we had a great relationship. And uh, with that, 
he got a phone call. Actually, it was a page, I believe, at the time where he had to use his radio. And they had an emergency that he had to go to one of the schools for an HVAC issue. We said, hey, the school we need to go to next is right down the street. I'm going to take you to that. I'm going to drop you off. The school that I have to go to, we've already been to. By the time you're done, I'll be done and I'll pick you up. We'll go to the next school. So he introduces me to the janitor of that school and tells him what's going on and that he would have to show me around that facility. The janitor was not happy to meet me. In fact, he wouldn't look me in the eye. Uh, I'm trying to remember if he would shake my hand or not, but you could just tell that the body language that he was putting out was, I have no use for you, a water treater. Well, I, I tried my best to befriend this gentleman. And when I first met him after the, the other guy left, uh, I tried to strike up some small talk with him. And he looked me straight in the eye and he goes, don't you dare hurt my babies. And it was weird. And it struck me so oddly, I didn't know what to say about that. Um, anyway, we were really close to the mechanical room, so I kind of just said, I'm here, let me do what I need to do. I was working on the equipment, trying to figure out what was there, and then I asked to see the cooling tower. Well, the cooling tower was up one of the ladders that were bolted to the wall where you have to go up through the roof through a hatch. I know we all love those. So we're going up the hatch, we get up to the roof, and we're walking over to the cooling tower. And of course it has like a little half wall all around it to hide the cooling tower from the front view. And I started asking him some questions about the cooling tower. And he just replies back to me with, don't hurt my babies. And I said, sir, that's the second time you've mentioned that. Uh, what do you think I'm gonna do? Do you think I'm gonna spray biocide on the kids playing in the playground? What, what's your concern? And he said, no, not the kids, my babies. And he swings open the cooling tower door. And folks, there were about 18-inch koi fish swimming around the bottom of that cooling tower basin. Those were his babies. And I very politely looked at him and I said, well, sir, you need to find a new home for your babies. They're not going to survive with a real water treatment program. And imagine the water treatment program that was going on, that uh, that was being allowed to take place. There was not any mention in any service reports about koi fish up in the cooling tower. And folks, I'm here to tell you that the biocides that were on each one of those pumps were ones that would not allow those fish to keep on living if they were used properly. The previous water treater, he hadn't prime pumps. He hadn't been there forever. I guess that's how we got that account. Well, the next time I went to that account, the babies were gone. There were no koi fish there. I never saw the janitor again. I think he avoided me every time I came to service. This was one of the accounts where I had my own key. So I don't know why, but whenever I think of a cooling tower, I think of that story. And I thought that you would enjoy that story. Now, do you have a story of your own? I'd love for you to share that on social media with hashtagging IWW20. I think we would all enjoy that. And I, again, I hope you enjoy that story. There's no doubt about it. We as water treaters have our very own special language. 
That language is demonstrated in our new line of water treatment specific t-shirts and accessories. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash shop to get yours today. You know, a couple of months back, I had my friend Brett Alexander of Evapco come on a two-part series, episode 137 and 138, and he spoke about cooling towers. And folks, cooling towers, there are a lot of moving parts, but he really simplified what we needed to know so we can have good conversation with people in our companies good conversations with people that manufacture the units and good conversations with the people that own the units. So here's a clip from that episode. I think as water treaters, we all know how uh, critical it is to fully understand the, the makeup water quality, but it's just as important to understand the, the equipment that that water is going to come in contact with in the cooling st- system. You know, we talked about different materials of construction, galvanized, stainless steel, different types of units. So they all have different things you got to keep in mind when treating them. Don't take a cookie cutter approach from your one central plant with this large field directed cooling tower to a small data center with a closed circuit cooler with a galvanized coil. Um, you've got to have different approaches to each, and you you got to know the temperatures they're running at too to make sure you know. Uh, what type of treatment system to put in place there. Brett, thanks again for coming on Scaling Up H2O. Folks, if you have not listened to those episodes or you haven't heard them in a while, you can listen to those. They were episode 137 and 138. It's my hope that you can take something from that episode, learn about cooling, something more than what you woke up with this morning, and then teach that to somebody so it sticks. Well, folks, we have celebrated pre-treatment Monday, Boiler Tuesday, and we are smack dab in the middle of cooling Wednesday. So I hope you are enjoying Industrial Water Week. And just like every day this week, I am ending each episode with a quote. And today's quote is by Lucretius, who says, the fall of dropping water wears away the stone. So how profound is that? A hard stone, given enough time, water's going to wear it away. I think he's talking about persistence. And how persistent are you going to be in improving this industry that you chose a profession in? Have a great rest of the week, folks, and I will see you tomorrow on Wastewater Thursday. Thursday.